Hey, this is Rocks from Passion. You're listening to Versus Node. Welcome to episode 30 of the Versus Node podcast. I'm your host, Eddie Inzato, and this podcast is finally older in episodes than I am in years. All right. <laughs> Ew. Made it, guys, officially. Um, I'm here with Dan Crabtree. How you doing, Dan? Hey, I'm doing well. How about you? Pretty good, pretty good. I mean, uh, not old. No, no, I'm younger <laughs> than the podcast, so yeah. there we go. And uh, I'm also here with Greg Galifa. How you doing, Hello. dude? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah. You know, also young. <laughs> not not too young, but not 30. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah, but Greg is is sort of geriatric in his heart, in his soul. I am. Yeah. I like old man things. <laughs> I, I I drive an old man car. Nice. You know. Do you have like, little socks that come up to your knees? I do, and I got like the I got like the back windshield display that old people do. Like they put pictures of their grandkids back there. Do you have like an oxygen tank? <laughs> I you, some did yeah. You put on your face and breathe in oxygen. I use it to race, it's like a boss. <laughs> and then I also put it up. I also use it to breathe at the same time. <laughs> I so. need more ass. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> oh, Fast and the Furious jokes. We're we're starting off strong here. Doing, we're doing well, guys. Oh goodness. I I give this podcast a a ten out of fifteen. Uh, Vin Diesel's. <laughs> ten out of fifteen Vin Diesel's. So, so what are we talking about here this week? Are we talking about death? Yeah, we, we're talking about death in games. How appropriate that we're all old. Very somber topic this week. You know what? I, w- I will even start out by saying I don't think it is. No. No, especially <laughs> since, you know, we're, we're not going to avoid um, narrative in terms of death in games, but I think we're probably looking more at the way death works in game design. Uh, I, I think that's a little bit more interesting because obviously we know how death works in narrative, right? I, right. Yeah. So you're, th- yeah. you're pinpointing it to the death of the player character or one of the player characters. Right. So um, mostly we want to see how how it affects the dynamics of play in you know different types of games, and um, kind of want to start out with the games that. Maybe make you fear death, because I guess people kind of fear death in real life, and and that affects your play. And I'm talking about the the really consequential deaths, like in horror games and, and things like that. Um, you know what, though, I, I, it sort of de- it depends on how you define that fear. Are you talking about a fear like a horror game creates, where it's like the suspense, like, hey, something's going to jump out at me and then kill me, and that's what I'm trying to avoid, is sort of like being surprised. Or is it a fear like, for example, say you're 50 seconds in, in Super Hexagon, and Uh, you're like, if I die right now, I'm just going to lose it, because (laughs) I'm so close to the high score. I mean, that, to me, that death is... um, I don't want to say more impactful, but it's it. it uh, I think it gets at me a little bit more. I, the, the, an example the that I would think, one? Yeah, well, that that sort of example. The, yeah. the example that I'm purposely thinking of here is um, when we were at E3 recently. I played uh, the Pac-Man game at the Namco booth, which mm-hmm. is just like Pac-Man on steroids, right? Like any of the other Pac-Man anniversary games. But I think I had more fun playing that game and was more tense and was more upset about dying in that game uh, than any other demo that I played the whole week um, because now what, it really builds that, that tension. Maybe that's what you're about to ask. Yeah. Well, no, I was going to ask um, what happens after you die in that game and like why are you so tense? What What's the consequence there? Do you sure. start all over from the beginning of the game? or? So 
in in that game there are lives so you, if you die you, you just come back in the same i mean you have eventually once you die you go back to the very beginning which is uh, one one way of doing it but um so you in in this version of of pac-man you speed up the longer that you stay alive mm. and the longer that you stay alive the more the screen is populated with dudes who are trying to eat you which consequently oh, if you get if you get the the star then they turn into dudes you can eat and chain for these crazy multiplier bonuses so you actually want to load up the screen with yeah. with more dudes chasing you. Um, you want to to heighten that tension, um, and then just grab grab a star at the right moment so that you can scroll around and get all of them. But of course, it makes it harder, and you're more likely to die then. Um, that sounds like the best version of Pac-Man. It is. It's <laughs> insanely fun. It's Where was a lot, I? I was playing. Fun. I was playing Dark Souls. You were playing Dark Souls, <laughs> another game that that's, dabbles in death. Dabbles. Very similar. Yeah, but no, I, I really, uh, <laughs> I see what you're saying though about about um, you, you're more fearful of losing your progress almost. Yeah, in, in a lot game. of games like that. I think that's part of it. I think there's also something about when in a game like that, death is only ever uh, maybe two centimeters away from you on the screen. Mm. Right. That's true. When those ghosts are chasing you, they they do a very good job of keeping uh, of keeping you moving, but also of keeping those that fear right on your tail, so that you never really feel comfortable the whole time. You're sort of on edge, and then it just gets faster and faster. And the faster it goes, the less control you feel like you have, and the more likely you feel like you're going to screw up. So it's not even so much about losing the progress as it is just the way that they've constructed. Uh, that dynamic between the player character and the enemy to, or the obstacle. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of games where I play it in that way, like games like that. And it's almost like I don't think of it as death. It's more about that process, right? Like when yeah, it, once it's sure. over, it's just like, Oh, just start again. Yes. Yeah. You know, and I mean, try it again. There's a, there's this uh, article I was reading from Gama Sutra that's asked that asked the question. It was written by Richard Clark. It was written back in July of 2010, so three years ago now. Um, and he asked the question, is death in games cheap? You know, does it cheapen the game when you can just kind of start over immediately right where you were? Or, like you're saying, if you have this progress behind everything you've just done and starting all the way from the beginning, does that make the game more challenging and more rewarding or is it more that you want it to be that cheap maybe not cheap but you want it to be that instant gratification type of thing where it's like okay i understand what i did wrong let me try that again and again and again um you know what type of gameplay is more uh, more engrossing to you uh which one do you prefer because i know for me like between those two examples that dan mentioned with you know like uh a survival horror atmosphere versus you know the gaming type of death um i like i think about death in like super mario world where it's a very like animated kind of cartoonish death where like mario shrugs and then he like jumps you know he pops up in the screen and falls down <laughs> oh no what so, up what have i done well i guess you know. this is happening again beep yeah. <laughs> uh versus like death in more realistic games like you know i've been playing last of us where it's very gruesome when you die uh man did you play tomb raider oh Oh, yeah tomb raider unreal (laughs) yeah i love watching essentially conan's reaction i mean he had a good bit where he just watched laura's head get impaled like five times in a row <laughs> but Why? like the river section, she's and if you if you steer, I mean, even just slightly incorrectly, her head just just a stick through the bottom of her jaw. Yeah, that's right. That happened to me actually. Oh my oh, gosh! Yeah, the dead it's the type of death where you're going, you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, super so, gruesome. So I mean, maybe maybe death animations is a, a component. <laughs> Of wanting to yeah. avoid that. You, know, you don't want to like, you're afraid of what's going to happen. Yeah. I think coming back to what you were just saying, Greg, um, for me, playing games has a lot to do with 
caring about what I'm doing. And when I have something to lose, uh, I'm just that makes me actually care about the game. That that might be part of it. You know, like, you know and you know what? Crap. I always have to lose whenever I play a game is time. Time. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And and I think that that is sort of the universal binder for any kind of version of a death in the game, even if it's not a death, it's your car spins out or whatever. Mm. Um, is that really what it is? Is you don't you don't lose the game when when you die. It's not as if you know I'm playing Last of Us and someone kills me and the game disc erases <laughs> itself, right? Right. <laughs> that would be the best. That would be some serious <laughs> burn death. <laughs> really, what it means is it just says, "Hey, all this time you just spent getting from here to there without saving or whatever." Yeah, I always come back to Resident Evil, the original Resident Evil, and the ink ribbons, because right. like. I don't want to use the ink ribbons because there are so few of them. Yet you go for such a long time and you don't know what's around the corner. Which is a brilliant system. Right? Oh That's yeah, awesome. it is. It's it's so artificial, but so perfect for creating yeah. that feeling in the player. And I I think a really simple way to see this, at least a simple way that I have seen it personally, is you look at the, and I'm sure this happens in other games as well, but the games in the Dead Space series. Um, Dead Space 2 would be my example. I played it on the normal difficulty, the, the harder difficulty, and then the hardest difficulty. And on the hardest difficulty, you can save, uh, I can't remember, two or three times in the course of the game. Wow. I did not beat it on the hardest difficulty. But I got through maybe half the game or something like that. Um, and the way that you play the game is so phenomenally different. <laughs> Even between the hard version where you have infinite saves and, and the version where you only have a certain number because you know that that time investment has just changed so drastically. Yeah. Um, and so what you're protecting is not Isaac Clark and his body. You're not trying to defend him against the, I mean, he's been torn apart a million times at this point, right? Mm. You're, what you're protecting is the last hour. And in this case, when, when you're playing that version, literally like could even be six to seven hours worth of your time. Yeah. Uh, that if well, you... we're talking so we're talking more like the technical aspects of death in games, right? Like, you know, for example, yeah, yeah. I'm playing Dishonored right now and I'm trying to get through it without killing anyone, just trying to do, you know, stealth my way through, and I reload moments in the game over and over and over and over again. Um you know, and that's that's like a, a construct in the game that I accept, you know, it may not work narratively, but for the context of the game, it works because I want it to work that way. But I mean, how do you guys feel about games that try to give an answer to repetitious dying? Um, <laughs> Bioshock is one of my favorites. Bioshock, yeah, yeah. or <laughs> Assassin's Creed. Um, you know, how do you guys feel about it? like do you do you want games to incorporate an, maybe not an excuse, but some type of reasoning, if you can call it that, behind you continually dying? I think it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really depends on the game. It depends on the the frequency of death in the game, how they frame it, and what, what type of game it is, really. In Bioshock, I felt like it worked because they, they constructed it well. But sometimes you think about it and you're like, oh, okay, you didn't really have to do that. I know it's a video game. It's a yeah. little, it, I mean, the, the one in Bioshock, of course you're just going to take me down this rabbit hole, but <laughs> the one in Bioshock is a little bit, um, uh, it breaks the narrative a little bit because spoiler alert, after you, uh, kill Andrew Ryan, I mean, if, if these things are really set to his genetic code, uh. <laughs> why you can use them, then he's not dead. Right. He's, yeah. Right. Uh, so that's sort of a meaningless death. And if that's a meaningless death, then, then who really even cares if you're a slave? Yeah, you know, the whole that whole bit. So it can be if you overthink it. I think it can it can get you into some trouble. But I think it's I think it's fun. It's nice. I think when a developer makes an effort to to make the fiction whole in that way to to make it as seamless as they can. I think Assassin's Creed probably does um, one of the better jobs of that, just by the virtue of its uh, of its conceit. Yeah. yeah, Ubisoft is pretty good in general. Like they sort of introduced, at least to gaming, the the concept of the storyteller 
in Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. That's right. That yeah. was a, that was a great one. Um, you know, whenever you died, you never really died. He just, oh, oh I messed up the story. <laughs> yeah. You know? Or um, like Rux in Bastion. Yeah. Yeah. Kid fell off the edge. Nope, just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah. That but, which good. is which is also kind of dumb because who who would say oh and then I died oh wait no I really didn't like, no, obviously no storyteller's gonna mess up <laughs> that bad. <laughs> he might he might say that the tiles were blue when they were green but he's not gonna think that he died so it, yeah no colorblind it's, it's all suspension storytellers are all over the place for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh man, um, jeez, I was gonna say. You know, okay, here's another uh, component. I I grew up as as you guys did playing uh, arcade games, and when you played arcade games, death was not just time either. It was time and money. Mm, right. Um, and so, what's interesting is those those earlier games were a lot harder. They were programmed. To, I say programmed like it's some. They were, <laughs> they were designed to be a lot more difficult uh, for the purpose of making more money. They <laughs> wanted you to die, and it, and it wasn't like it's not that anyone's being malicious here or particularly greedy. I mean, no. people who make the games have to make make their money back, right? And so I it's mean, like a I carnival could, game. Yeah, you know? yeah, totally. So I remember playing like the first time Crisis uh, in an arcade. And just chuck in like five, six bucks into that thing. Dude, it had the pedal. I mean, you were like, yeah. Yeah, I'm really playing this game right now. Right. And I mean, you die you know, easily within the first level. Yeah. <laughs> or the second. Or like worst... Area 51 and like there was that one alien that could lob stuff over your cover. So it was like, oh, well, that's pretty game breaking. Thanks for that. <laughs> so, uh, and, and there was like a whole era of games that just grew out of that that concept i mean even like the ninja turtles uh beat em up games were both on nes and they were in the arcade right uh or super nintendo and in the arcade and so on the, the super nes version they just replaced the money with lives right mm. um, but they kept the difficulty everything else was exactly the same uh so you had a whole generation of games that grew up because death equaled quarters on some level and then that faded out with with arcades what was really interesting about those types of games is as a kid you might have gone into an arcade and only had so much money like maybe you only had like two dollars you know say you're like a little kid right and they would limit the continues on like the nes version to an amount that I could imagine being the number of quarters that I had with me on that That's trip, right. you know, allocated right. for that game, which I never thought about until just now. That's pretty funny. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Um, and, and and they would, uh, you remember the racing games? It was like if you were really good, you didn't have to pay to keep playing. Like the shooter games is pretty much like didn't really matter if you were good like you were gonna die right within a couple it's levels like the but dead. like the racing games you would play against like the other people in the arcade and if you won then you just kept sitting there yeah fighting, fighting games you are yeah fighting games oh yeah totally that grew up Over in some culture yeah it was just and I think Darwinism that, right there which, which by the way do you remember they they did that at a recent E3 and Jason entered that contest and it was like. You know, last man standing essentially. Yeah, I guarantee you, Jason was that kid growing up. Yeah, who just he was in the arcade from like two to six p.m. Yeah, <laughs> just sitting on that one machine. Like any takers? Yeah, <laughs> like he has a power glove on. He's the oh god. <laughs> My friend George and I used to go to the local arcade and play Street Fighter Two when we were just little kids and we had to stand on chairs and we would beat like the teenagers for a while. I mean, <laughs> nice. it's awesome. It's a good feeling. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny though. Cause like you think about those, that culture and how it's evolved in games today. I mean, like, you know, you, you think about the, the re-releases of these games on Xbox live arcade and PSN, like, you know, they had double dragon and they released turtles in time and they released the, the X-Men game the beat-em-ups and like they're not the same experience there's something diminished about them because it's like well 
if I don't have to really concern myself with death and I can just keep dying and keep coming back, this isn't a game. This is just mashing buttons and not really concerning myself with what I'm doing. There isn't like that camaraderie that I feel like you had in the arcades. Yeah. Uh, you kind of get a little wild, a little careless, and you don't develop yeah. your skills as a as a player, right? But like then you think about like I feel like Call of Duty, but yeah. Call of Duty is is like you think about how those games handle death and it's just you don't really think about it like it like you were saying Dan like how it was in the arcades with shooters you're going to die and mm-hmm. you're going to die in a Call of Duty online match and you're not really going to concern yourself with it because it's just like a, a quick you know hindrance but it's not anything that's going to like stop you from being able to play that's right you know um and I just wonder, you know, what is that? What do you guys think of that? Like, do you think like maybe they should do something more with it, or do you think it's it's okay for them to be doing it that way? Well, you know what, there are some folks that are doing more. I guess I think I'm understanding what you mean when you say more with it. Um, that are experimenting with different models of of death in games, um, and particularly folks who are in the free to play um, arena, because that's essentially the new arcade, right? Is that you? You hop in, yeah. and you, and, and there's this real timidity about gating content behind money, because um, people get very upset very quickly mm-hmm. when they're playing a game for free, and you know, God forbid, they pay a developer to <laughs> for the privilege to play, right? But um, uh, Harada, we were talking to him at E3. This is the guy, the father of Tekken, and he is releasing a new. Uh, Tekken game that's free to play and online, and they actually have a system like uh, like in the old arcade days. I think they modeled it this way intentionally after that. Um, that if you were playing online and you have so many coins or whatever that you can you can purchase more coins. You have so many coins. Uh, if you run out of coins then you can no longer play online matches for that day and you have to wait till the next day for those coins to to regenerate or buy more but if you win your match then it doesn't cost any coins to play so if you win you can keep playing and playing and playing and so it's sort of that same mentality of big bad jason in the arcade (laughs) shoving you know shoving little kids faces in it like go home i can keep playing (laughs) Really oh man, I love that imagery. <laughs> and I mean, they're they're also gating some you know skins and unlockable characters and that that kind of content as well. But um, it seems like the big the big portion of the free to play there that that they're trying to draw money from or they're trying to entice players with with is they're saying you know you can play for free this many online and offline games per day. But if you want to play more, you either get good or you pay a little bit more, which is just like the arcade days, right? Yeah. Um, and I have to imagine Tekken isn't isn't the only arena where that's that's happening. I'm sure that's I'm sure there's some version of that. I just I'm not knowledgeable enough about Facebook games and 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 many of the free to play models, but I'm sure that there are other folks who are doing something similar because they are making money hand over fist doing something. That's for sure. Yeah, honestly, I these these sort of competitive games, I, I kind of don't even look at the deaths, even though they all incorporate death as the losing state, uh, and especially in in team based shooters, you know, Call of Duty, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. I see the the way the method that you interface with these games and the other players more as a sport um, yeah. than than as a, a I don't know, an adventure or a narrative or something. For and sure. and f- instead of seeing it as death, I see it just as loss of this match because I mean that that's kind of what they are. But but I mean, I don't know, that's it's still death. It just the way that it 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 hits me is so much less because of the way that the whole game is framed. Yeah. But one thing that Greg said earlier interested me about dishonored and you know, the way that you would stop the game yourself yeah. and restart because you yeah. didn't fulfill a certain uh, requirement, which was to, to not kill anyone or something. It's right. like you're creating your own loss state because you, you basically lose if you if you have killed someone in your mind. And that's yeah, almost I mean, like a death also. So you stop the game as, you know, you're killing the game. <laughs>
death playfully in a game, mm-hmm. and and I think, and and they use it playfully in a way that it's, it integrates with the emergent and the explicit narrative. Uh, an example that I'm thinking of is uh, uh, Limbo, which okay. they build as a game. They called it um, uh, Trial by Death. Right. Okay. So uh, you know you are supposed to think that you you know so here's a chasm and a rope and a, a ledge on the other side and you can jump and you can grab ropes and you know this from from previous experience so you jump and you grab the rope and a bear trap falls on you <laughs> right and you curse <laughs> right. and you restart like right at the other side of that chasm so there's no real loss there but yeah. they wanted you to do that Partly because they're like, haha, like, look, we're, we're being playful, and this is sort of this back and forth conversation, which I think is wonderful in its in its own right. Um, but also just to give the game a lot of character. Yeah. They're, they're telling a story by doing that. They're like, hey, by the way, uh, everyone here is is either like a super survivalist or dead, <laughs> because yeah. that's what this world is like. It's just right. that brutal. Um, I think that I love that. I think Bastion does a little bit of that too, which interestingly enough, same summer of arcade um, on Xbox Live. Horror games do a really, really good job of that too. Good horror games do. Amnesia certainly does. Hmm. More what about games that uh, don't have death or fail states, I guess, like Dear Esther or, or Proteus. I mean, forget them. Let's forget them. They're not worth it. <laughs> They're not part of this conversation. We're talking about death, not non-death. I, I, sorry, sorry, guys. No, no, no. No, that's a great. That's that's a great uh, subsect of of games to bring up. Um, Dear Esther, in particular, I don't know. That one is not one that came to mind, just because it's the type of game that doesn't register much as a game, as but more of just a world to explore. Yeah, I'm exactly curious to hear what Dan has to say. Yeah, that's exactly why you don't register it as a game, because there is no fail state. Yeah. Because there's nothing that is gated behind your ability or your skill or your inner inability on the there's flip no side of that. Yeah. Right? There's, there's yeah, no. there's no competition. There's no growth in terms of play. There's just narrative and, and, and basic movement mechanics, right? Right. Now, um, I was thinking of non-death games as games where there still might be a sort of indication that you lost or you failed, but you never actually lose, like Braid. Because you you never die. You fall just almost to the bottom of the screen, not completely off like Mario does, and then you have to rewind. The first time it happens, it tells you pressed his button, and now you're back. So there's never death. And the same thing in uh, the... Prince of Persia in 2008 was it? Yeah. With yeah, Elika. 2009. You you never you never die there either because every time you fall you're caught. So it's not even as much as in the Sands of Time where he actually says, "Oh yeah, I died." Well, yeah, well no, I didn't. It just never lets it happen. I think right. those are really just clever ways of getting around big punishment for death yeah. in a game, right? You think it restarts in a way just very Yeah, I think I mean I think that's identical to dying in mario except you don't have to start at the beginning of the level you know you just start at the beginning of the chasm that you jump down and you know in braid it's just it's really wonderful that it integrates with the time mechanic that's you know a clever way to to do that but i think in effect from a design perspective it's giving the player the same caveat it's saying you cannot progress by doing this Mm. you will have to do this over yeah I mean, uh, racing games are doing it more nowadays, too. You know, you see racing games have retries and slowdowns and rewinds yeah, in right, time. Yeah. You know, that's, like, become more of common, more of a commonplace now in racing games because, you know, you I, I, Dan, I think it was you mentioned earlier, like, spinning out during a, a race is the equivalent right. to dying in a race. Um, right, because you lost. And I guess, like, I mean, is it, do you guys think, though, that this is this instant you know reset is hurtful in a way like it or maybe not hurtful but it it is uh um i don't know like crippling well i would love i would love a roguelike racing game 
Um, roguelike <laughs> racing game. But no matter what happens, you have to deal with what you've done. And if that means that you failed your whole career, start over. Like, if you lose the biggest race because you make a little mistake on a turn and you crash and you you can't progress, your whole career is over. That is so brutal. over. That, I mean, but that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> a roguelike racing game. Here's the deal. I think it's. I think that's a great question, Greg, and I think it gets just to preference, because what Eddie just described to me sounds horrific. Like I do not know <laughs> any part of that game. It sounds like such a a chore. I like the reason I haven't yet picked up Demon Souls. I haven't picked up Dark Souls is because I've just like, oh man, I feel like I'm gonna waste so much of my time just yeah. going somewhere and dying. But Demon's Souls but... and Dark Souls are not quite to the extent of of a roguelike, you know? They're, no. they're just a, they're a little bit of time at each time you die. Right, yeah. No, it's, a, it's not roguelike like um, a valley without wind or something where your character straight up dies and there are only very finite pieces of progression that, that stick with you, for sure. Um, I mean, I FDL. think... Yeah, yeah, it's a good example too. So, I mean, uh, how do you feel about roguelikes then? I mean, we're. You know, I I really don't like them in general. I oh. I shy away from them. And here's what I'll because Greg loves them. That's <laughs> awesome. Send send Greg all the roguelikes you can find. <laughs> I like to, I like to play them every now and then to remind myself I'm I'm not one unending power fantasy because that's that's what <laughs> games uh, modern games are are. Um, skewing towards, which I think is what you were getting at, Greg, is that the RPG, the progress, the progressive model of, I mean, even in something like Call of Duty, you know, you get a badge or you get a new gun or something like that. Just yeah. having that sense of continual um, evolution, yeah, of of an additive, you know, whatever I do, I any time well, that I spend with this to game, a kid, right? Like you're like, yeah. here you go, where to go? Here's your treat. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a total it's a total reward system, um, but I mean you see so many games doing that, and I don't I don't think it's by mistake. I think that developers are tapping into a pretty um, innate act and react yeah. uh, that that they're seeing from from lots of gamers and maybe even folks who weren't gamers before. Now they're like, oh wow, I can. I mean, just look at any of the the free to play stuff, right? Like, oh, right. I I can get another farm by just sitting here for another hour. I don't know how those work. How do those work? Do you sit there? <laughs> you sit there and wait or pay money. You don't Does, do does it work like actual farming? <laughs> <laughs> wait half Thanks, a year, bro. harvest, discipline your children. Um, <laughs> <laughs> play the fiddle. <laughs> they, they have tapped into just this super simple uh, and very... Um, it's just it's just such a primal response for someone to say, "Hey, you did something. Here's a reward." Uh, okay, I'll do that thing again. Like you're Pavlov, you know, you're Pavlov's dog at that point. You're you're getting a treat for ringing right. the bell, and and I think there's some component of that in every human, right? So there's developers are tapping into that and they're cashing in big time on it. I mean, yeah. I, I look at the amount of time that I've spent fishing in Animal Crossing New Leaf is just it's unconscionable. <laughs> for the amount of humans that I've ignored mm-hmm. or <laughs> you know, other things in my life that I've ignored just to get a little feedback where it's like, oh, I caught a shark 15,000 bells, dog. Like that moment when I'm, you know, well, it's, I pushing think the, the bell. Is, it, yeah. it, it boils down to escapism versus strategic thinking with gaming. Maybe not strategic thinking, but escapism in the sense that like, I don't know. If you're sitting there playing Sims and you're watching your Sims work out at the gym and you yourself are sitting in your at your computer not working out at the gym, you know, there's the idea of like applying your identity to what you're doing in the game, right? And you enjoy that sense of self. And I think that's that's applicable to most games that give you that that gratification, that give you that idea. You know, you play God of War because Kratos runs up giant colossus people and takes them out you know single-handedly you know that that, that's just something that is gratifying to you in an escapist sense whereas roguelikes are more about 
I think it's more like a, a, a single minded experience where it's like, okay, this is me. I have to do this. I have to think about this. I can't just go in without planning first. And that's like, I can see how that's, that's polarizing because the challenge is there. But I think it's also just rewarding in the sense that you feel like you accomplish something when you do get past a really difficult part of the game. Yeah, you're I, conquering I think, the, the challenge there. What, yeah. what you're tapping into is the difference between a game that rewards a digital character and a game that rewards the player. Uh, yeah. And rewarding the player by saying, you now have this skill. Granted, this skill is not applicable anywhere else. This skill only has, I mean, in most cases at least, this skill only has this one application, but you have this sense that you are better at something now as the player. Um, whereas in Animal Crossing, if I sit there and farm, you know, just fish all day, I don't get better at fishing. Um, right. Although I will say, is there death? I can, I can spot a blue marlin a mile away. Uh-huh. Is no, there right. any death in Animal Crossing or or any stung. mechanic that you get stung by a mosquito? There are tarantulas, Eddie. You can get wait. Bitten. You, you can get stung by a mosquito. Like, can you go My Girls? Like if anybody remembers that movie, like oh no, like Hawking gets and die dies. You can no, you, you can can't fall, die. You can fall into a shallow hole that you have to wriggle yourself out of, and it's a tragic three seconds. Right. <laughs> It's awful. No, you what? cannot, you oh, cannot die in Animal Crossing. You can only pay off more, more debt from yeah. Tom Nook, the debt collector. Meanwhile, I'm finishing <laughs> a very similar game to Animal Crossing, Don't Starve. Ah. <laughs> Where you're planting crops and whatever, and it's not similar at all, but kind and of. And you know what? I really like Don't Starve. Don't Starve. I myself, call, yeah. I would call a roguelike in a way. Um, but. But it, no, it definitely is. I got so upset though for like the first five or six times I played and got yeah. you know six max five or six days in. My first time died. was not so bad because I died really quickly, but like maybe two through six, yeah. I got really upset. Those are super. Have you played Don't Starve, Greg? I haven't played. No. Do you have I mean, a sense of what it is? Have you seen it? Before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely that middle period where you are just you're investing like a decent amount of time like maybe an hour or something and then just to get crushed and not really accomplish much and they have a leveling system but it's not it's not that huge but But when you break past that yeah i don't know 10 day barrier and like you have enough to build a meat effigy or something like that you know some sort of you can come back from the dead kind of one of those machines that's when you're like super all in and when you die at Oh, what was it? 32 days, I think, for me. Wow. When it is just the most devastating thing. And then you stop <laughs> playing forever. Exactly. No, mm-hmm. I haven't played it since. Really? 30. Yeah. See, but up until that point, um, until you're 700 levels down in, in NetHack or whatever, <laughs> wherever <laughs> it goes, I don't know. But um, every time you die, you're... You're learning, so it's you know we were talking about loss earlier, right? And you're losing all this time, or, or you're losing progress. But in these games, in the roguelike games, and, and Greg probably could uh, uh, apply this to FTL, which I'm hoping you will afterward. You each time you play and fail, you've learned so much that oh, you yeah. can apply to your next go at it, and you don't really feel like. You know, after you understand that this is just the way things happen, you know, after yeah. those first six plays in, in Don't Starve, then you understand that each time you go, you are building your skill set and your knowledge base to to succeed the next time. And, you you know, each one is a personal narrative. You know, each each time you play yeah. the game, it's a new story it's that new you're story. developing. It's, yeah. it's, something, it's something that nobody else has done before, you know, exactly. not in that same way. Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely what I found so appealing about FTL. It's like, you know, you come across a ship that's burning or something, and you you know, do you go on it and try to save people, or do you keep going um, and leave them behind? I mean, I think like these are the things that you start to learn the pros and cons of rather quickly, and it's just it really is about you know, similar to. Uh, you know, like like a Mario game where you just learn the ins and outs of the level. 
but on a uh, on a bigger scale with higher risk um mm-hmm. and I, and I would say higher reward you know you you just have to learn about the mechanics of the game and the the world of the game and how how the things react to you and what strategies you need to learn in order to to progress i mean it's yeah i think that's that's like one of the most appealing things about it it's almost like each death is not a part of the game but it's like you, each death is like going to the store and picking up a new game and bringing it home. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like playing Bop It, right? <laughs> you guys ever play Bop It? Exactly. I know what it is, and I under, you yeah, to, I got you. you. you should have twirled it, man. Yeah. Just, you didn't. You didn't. That do is it totally. Right. You were just learning a skill, right? By yeah. Doing that. Um. Uh, I completely sorry, derailed ahead, us. I completely derailed us <laughs> with Bop It. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was just thinking about. It. I was like, you know, that sounds familiar. Um, Eddie, you were talking about death being a learning experience. I think that's another thing that Limbo does really well. Yes. Um, and and that I I love about it is that it says, here is your expectation based on every other game that you have played, where you walk left to right, and you're on a 2D plane, and there are gaps, and you have the ability to jump and climb. We know <laughs> what you are thinking you should do. And every turn, every turn, and even when you think you've figured it out, they have gone then the next step ahead, right? And they're like, "Well, you thought you figured out how sick we were, and now we're, you know, now you have to jump on the body of this dead kid so that you don't drown." Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I love that. I think that's oh yeah, and then you have to drag his body into a a, a meat compactor. Speaking of death. Yeah, that game is dark but I love that that they use what your presumption is about the game uh, to to teach you something to say the game doesn't have to be built that way isn't it kind of silly even that there are so many games that are built that way and that you have played enough games to where that is without fail the reaction of almost any player who yeah. you know, comes just across limbo. They're just like, oh yeah, of course. Bear trap, I'll jump over it. Oh, didn't realize on the other side of that bear trap is a giant chasm that leads to five bear traps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And other I think, games I think limbo should be renamed chasms and bear traps. Chasms oh, and goodness. bear traps. And giant spiders. Yeah. And giant spiders. And I love and that relationship boys. too, yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. That's a terrible incredible game. <laughs> terrible incredible terrible incredible game that's that's on the box yeah. on the box um <laughs> other games actually uh tap into that experimental sort of almost like you're intending to die in some games like maybe maybe super meat boy um where you're or i don't know any game where you you like have to test the limits of your abilities in the game and you're like oh so i, I may fall in this in this hole, but then I'll just start over and maybe I'll try something different. Even some, geez, I can't come up with a lot of good uh, examples, but you know what I mean? Like where, yeah, where basically you use each death to, to figure out how to do it the next time yeah. on a smaller scale than a roguelike. Yeah. And I think like, I mean, I know that uh, with stealth games in particular, there's also the idea of like, mm. you know, super Meat boy is, is, a more simplistic idea but it's the same concept though like with with stealth games you have all these different elements at play it's such a uh, such a an alive thing where it's like okay well if i'm this close to this guy will he hear me or if i'm behind this corner will he see me you know that's like one of the big the, one of the biggest questions i always have with stealth games is if i'm hiding behind something and a guard walks past me Will he turn and see me, or will the AI not be yeah. that good that he'll just keep walking and then I can sneak up behind him? Like, yeah, exactly. The, I was know, gonna... There's this language of games that we understand to a degree, but again, like you always look for the games that kind of take that language and turn it on its head and do something different with it like Limbo does, or like stealth games try to do, like how effective will the stealth be? Right. Um, stealth games are funny because none of them actually make any sense according to the rules of reality. Like, you would be <laughs> found out in every stealth game. So, <laughs> stealth game has its own distinct rules of what is stealth. 
Right. So, like you're saying, you're testing the AI, you're testing, you know, how deep that shadow is. Like in Manhunt. Like in Manhunt, where you can sit in in front of a guy. (laughs) And and so many stealth games have what Greg was talking about earlier, the player-moderated goals. Mm -hmm. Really, you just have to get to the end of the thing, usually. Well, sometimes they mandate that you not be seen, but usually it's just get to the end of the thing one way or another, right? And so you're, you're... playing is dependent on you saying oh how awesome and baller would it be if i jumped on this guy from three stories up and then did a combat roll <laughs> through, through a smoke bomb and used some sort of 50 foot jump to take out the next you know like some crazy combo just like mark of the ninja you know like how what what's the coolest combination of of these of the sandbox that i can put together when in reality, it just is like you fumbling through. You throw off a bomb, it kind of hits you. You ran past the guy, maybe you stabbed him, and you just keep running after and put in hope nobody gets ruined you. it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, you watch, like, the trailer of Dishonored, and there's, like, the cool, like, he slows down time and shoots three arrows and moves out oh, of the yeah. way. Oh, yeah, no, it never looks like that, for sure. Yeah, it's never like you that. You do that never. once, and then you pull out your gun. <laughs> but it's like it's like watching a McDonald's commercial, right? Like you see the food and you're like, yeah, that's totally what that sandwich is going to look like when I eat it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, perfect that... analogy. <laughs> perfect. Have um, have either of you guys played uh, any of the Trials games, Trials HD, or oh, I really I haven't Trials haven't. Evolution? But I feel like that fits right into what I was saying before. Yeah, it's a real lesson in depth for sure. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, that's, that that's a perfect example of. You have done something incorrectly the first time. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Um, for for those of us who are more enlightened and enjoy Angry Birds, <laughs> <laughs> that is also a very. If you play it to to get all three stars, it's a clever game that causes you to learn after each mistake. And it's not a death. It's just you know, hey, I've wasted this bird. I haven't achieved my player set goal in this instance of you know getting the the three stars. How many times do you restart after your first shot in Angry yeah, Birds? It depends, but like sometimes I'll just I'll get three stars first time through a level. I would say maybe a fourth of the levels that happens. Uh, and then, yeah, by, by your definition, my niece is a very enlightened person. Oh, she's <laughs> super enlightened. If she likes Angry Birds, she must you know, be. This is a she's a damn Buddha. I don't even want to hear it. Um, no. Now, since we just spoke about a game that you love so much, I want to come back to games that I love so much. Uh, the, the, the Souls games, um, after talking about all these different types of, you know, these uses for death, I see the Souls games as a real combination of pretty much all of them. Um, and, and that might be a reason that I find them so compelling because I, I do find the use of death, you know, in the mechanics and design of a game to be really compelling and engaging. And I feel like they have that, it has that element of horror where you're, you know, you're afraid of losing your progress, right? Because you, you're going to lose souls, you you know, you, you it's a setback each time you die and you lose time and progress. And then they also incorporate that system of, testing the waters, you know, seeing what happens, because you know that when you die, you come back at the latest bonfire. Maybe you approach this next area dry of souls, because you know that there's a chance that you're going to die, or maybe you even intend to use, you know, this life, which is valueless, ultimately, because you have infinite lives, you use it to gain knowledge, and you you prepare for it. And then, like we said, you know, it has the, the elements of the the roguelike in it too i don't know have you played uh any of the souls games greg i have played i think i played dark souls for probably an hour oh geez so and really I just, yeah i never i, I never we really can't have this it. conversation then I, I never really got that into it but anyone who's listening <laughs> email me Talk to us on Twitter. So we can Eddie, talk about this. So Eddie can just email you back frantically. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, do you know? You, Greg, you should see when uh, Eddie and Sanan and Jeff Matchliff get together. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is it just a Dark Souls and Demon Souls love fest? Is it? Is it just 
all you guys <laughs> talking about it and loving it. it. It certainly seems that way. Did that happen? I mean, we we, we came together at E3. I don't even remember talking about it. Uh, but I think that pretty much covers uh, the topic, right? Anything else you guys wanted to add in particular? Oh... Uh, you know, the the one thing we didn't really talk about was what you had mentioned at the beginning, Eddie, is that we were sort of specifically mentioning uh, player character death, the, the fail state, for lack of a better term, in a game. Um, but there, there also is a lot, I, I have to imagine, a lot of thought and a lot of care that goes into just the art of death in a game, how, mm. how a player an NPC or uh, or an enemy looks when they die as they die. Yeah. The nameless henchmen. <laughs> I mean, there's so much time and energy that and thought that goes into like how do these guys die and ah. do, do we make people care about it? Do we make it like a like a bullet storm style? You know, you sort of glorify that. Celebrate death, it. Or do, or do you make it a little bit difficult to watch? Like it, it's it sounds like The Last of Us is sort of to make it yeah i mean it's strange too because there's like this morbid fascination with it i mean you you know there are all those there are millions i'm sure if not thousands of of youtube videos of you know the best best character deaths in video games or you can watch all of isaac's death in the dead space series you know um so yeah there's definitely like care in the brutality and the meaning death in games that I think is overlooked uh, sometimes when it's more about just like whether games are that are too violent or something like that. Yeah. Um, You know, I I think I found myself at at E3 this year feeling like my favorite games were the ones where nobody died, where there was no death. Maybe there's a fail state of some sort for the player character, but we didn't have to go to the ultimate human punishment the the, right. the worst possible thing that could happen in a human life. We were able to create a, a meaningful experience with subtlety, with a, a kind of loss that doesn't have to be death. And I, I thought those were the best games. I'm thinking particularly of Octodad in this instance. Where yeah. <laughs> just the loss of being able to control your own body in a normal way is a really profound and and hilarious and moving experience i think that's super cool i wish more people would do that yeah. i wish we would die less yeah yeah it's uh definitely something that happens a little too often yeah. <laughs> all the time you're gonna die it's like a horoscope you're gonna die <laughs> the best horoscope. really yeah is that the one that you read <laughs> Okay, so to wrap up this time, uh, I want to I want us each to to mention something that we've discovered that is awesome since we last spoke. Oh boy! Uh, you know anything in in life, a game, a movie, a whatever, just a discovery. Um, I can start because I actually have one of these building off of our last versus node where we're talking about mobile games and my own. Uh, fascination with firearms. I um, I picked up iGun Pro HD. I think it's super old, but it's uh, it's not a game per se. It's an app. It's mostly just a collection of real world guns on iOS, and you have your gun wall, and you can purchase them with coins and stuff. And um, Basically, you click on them, there's a bunch of information, and it shows the thing on the screen, and you tap the screen, and it shoots. Here, wait, I'm going to play one for you. You're just tapping the screen and shooting the and you can rack the slide, and then it reloads. And it seems so stupid, but if you like guns, then it's really awesome. And, um... <laughs> and... I imagine. <laughs> I've spent like they had you earn coins by by doing different things like downloading apps. It's the worst kind of 
<laughs> to earn to earn you know continues per se in a game but i did it and i have like this giant wall full of all these real weapons i'm so, pr- I'm so proud of you it's really it's like it's just exploration of of this particular you know hobby or interest and I, that is interesting yeah i mean that's you have to be into it i'm sure for sure it's mine iGun pro hd love it um i i will uh I will say a game that I've played since we last talked. Um, I don't. I don't remember if we. I think. I think this is since we last talked. Did I talk about Year Walk at all in the mobile no. games? Okay, so Year Walk is a, an iOS game. Um, I I would say best played on an iPad, something with a, a larger screen. Um, it's a, an adventure game in the sense of sort of point and click or point and tap, mm. or tap and tap. Um, <laughs> It is a horror game. It's short. If you know what to do, you can beat it in 20 minutes, as I have done. Uh, the first time you play it, it probably takes two, three hours. Um, it's puzzle-oriented, based on Swedish folklore. Looks creepy. Or, or Norwegian folklore. And it is... It's Oh, it's super twisted. You don't die in this game, but you do get freaked out big time. Um, and they're like dead baby ghosts and things. Uh, what's super cool about this game, what I really loved, in, in addition to the experience itself, which is, is super demented, uh, was that they have a companion app that you can get for free with the game. And there's actually, if you beat the game, it will give you a code that it very unceremoniously hints that you could use somewhere. Turns out you can use it as a password in the companion app to unlock some more knowledge that you can then take back to the game itself to unlock even more story component um, and get a different, and get a completely cool. different ending. And other awesome thing about the companion app is it lays out. Uh, so I'd, I'd recommend that you do the order that you do it in is play the game, then check out the companion app and then go back to the game. Um, the other thing about the app is that it has all this information. This is not locked or gated behind anything, but they have all this information about the actual Norwegian myths that inspire the characters and the events of of the game itself, and it's very one to one. You actually find is is that you're like like why is there this creepy goat with a tie rising out of the river and yes, summoning like four at. dead babies? Like why is he doing that? And it turns out that there's like actually a a goat creature that or it's like a horse goat creature that lives in the rivers in uh, Norwegian mythology and summons the spirits of dead children. I mean, I kid you not super, super demented, but also like really, um, uh, uh, it's one of those games that, that does not hold your hand at all. So solving the puzzles, like you gotta be super attentive. There's no like dialogue, like, Hey, here's what you do now, here's where you go now. It's just like, this thing kind of looks like this thing, so maybe I can put the pieces of the puzzle together. Uh, so really cool. I like it a lot. I love it already. Yeah. How about you, Greg? Anything you have to recommend? Um, a great discovery, I should say. D- during during my, uh, my long weekend here, I had the pleasure of watching the movie Pitch Perfect. Oh, uh, yeah. Which, which stars Anna Kendrick as the saucy Becca, who only spells her name with one C because who has time for two? <laughs> um, so I, I would recommend that uh, you go watch that because they do an amazing rendition of Miley Cyrus's uh, Party in the USA. It's on a bus a la the um, little tiny dancer scene of Almost Famous, if anybody recalls that. I do. It's, it's a brilliant, brilliant film. And it, it's really, it's contemporary. And I really enjoyed it. So I am so there. glad that you said that because I enjoyed it and I was kind of embarrassed. What's the name of this movie again? <laughs> pitch Perfect. The tagline is get pitch slapped. Is It has the guy from uh, Workaholics, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I've seen part of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Very cool. So yeah, I'm going to recommend you uh, you go watch Pitch Perfect. So a movie about acapella. And a terror, a weird, creepy Norwegian horror game, and a, an app to collect fake real guns. 
There's just something so wrong with us. I mean, it's a group of humans. We're anything. <laughs> <laughs> or is it so right? Yeah, so right. And if you feel that it is so right, head over, give us a rating and a review. Well done. Well done. Um, and uh, tell us if what you, you think. feel it is so right. <laughs> And uh, you can always uh, email us about anything you've heard or talk to us on Twitter at GamerNode. Um, you can email us uh, versusnode at GamerNode.com. Um, just, you know, anything you think we should talk about, anything you want to contribute to what you've heard here. If you want to ask us what our favorite sandwiches are or whatever, let us know. <laughs> drop us a line. I, uh, I don't disclose that information. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, check out gamernode.com always putting new stuff up got some interviews a bunch of interviews and previews up still from from E3 and you know always adding uh, you guys you're you're both everywhere so let us know where are you Dan I'm on the twitters and at gamernode.com awesome and what's your what's your twitters oh twitters uh, at Dan R. Crabtree awesome and Greg uh, I am also us? on the Twitters uh, at Greg Galiffa, um, G-R-E-G-G-A-L-I-F-F-A. You can find me there. Awesome. And to round out our highly imaginative Twitter names, I'm Eddie Inzotto on Twitter. E-D-I-E-I-N-Z-A-U-T-O. <laughs> The designer on Rogue Racing coming out in 2014 <laughs> on Xbox One and PlayStation 4. That is correct. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody, and thanks, guys, for talking about death with me. That's what totally. I Peace. Bye. Later. Bye.